next. One of the greatest voices in metal that you know, and a voice that's not done yet. I didn't really have a, a set agenda, really. Um, this is one of those kind of records that's uh, just kind of happened, dream of consciousness kind of thing, you know? From Queensryche to now Sweet Oblivion. This is Jeff Tate is here. And then after you listen to all the tracks, then you start going, oh, okay. I guess what I mean is, <laughs> I guess what I, what I meant to say was, <laughs> I kind of like to let the music do the talking and people to uh, sort of come to their own conclusions, you know, about music. It's, you know, really, we, we all listen to it differently. We all hear it differently. But we're not the only ones with questions. Jeff had a question for Shane. Are you in your car? I am. I couldn't I couldn't get to where I'm supposed to. I was stuck here <laughs> after work, so I'm stuck in my That's car. great. I did a I did a interview the other day in my car too. <laughs> Hi, Hi, this, this is Jeff, Jeff Tate, Tate and you're talking talk rock, rock with Dave and Shane. Hi Creeps in and then goes to full scale blast. Gale wow. Force right there. Sweet Oblivion with Jeff Tate. And the song is. Once again, One Sin. Yeah, and that is um, that's the new project uh, with Jeff Tate and the uh, Sweet Oblivion uh, crew. And this is about as Queensryche as Jeff Tate has been since leaving Queensryche. Yeah. I think. You know, it's I, amazing. I agree. Uh, it came out in April. Yeah. And it, it's just been, uh, we, we were fortunate enough to sit down and. 
and talk to Jeff, and it was just so much fun. Yeah, Jeff was awesome. He was incredible. He gave us so much insight uh, on this project, on some other things, some uh, Queensryche deluxe treatment. To, well, he was dropping uh, dynamics clues. left and right. Yeah, stuff, he was. I, I'm I mean, really excited to see like. Empire, What's Operation gonna happen Mind here Crime, next, yeah. Yeah, there's there's some stuff going down in the camp. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you, you've you been seeing it, I've been seeing it, we've seen all kinds of stuff. We're going to get into that. Yeah, we're going to cover it all and so much more. Oblivion featuring Jeff Tate, the album Relentless, and it really is relentless. This album has Jeff Tate's voice is better than ever, number one, uh. and he's working with just a whole symphony of metalheads over there, uh, the Italian musicians, Frontiers, and uh, just incredible stuff, brother. Yeah, this uh, the thing that I really got out of this record after listening to it, like, probably around the second time yeah is uh he's, he's having a lot of fun on this yes you know, he's singing an italian on one track yeah yeah it, it's just a i i really really like the record it it kind of got mixed reviews mm -hmm. i don't really care about reviews right. I, I i'm sure you're the same way yeah you like what you like exactly dude it's it's just a a squad of incredible Italian musicians. Yeah, just top tier, top notch. I'm gonna butcher some of these names, and I apologize. But Aldo Lenobile mm -hmm. uh, on guitars, uh, just absolutely incredible. I mean, I'm sorry, he did production. Right. Uh, there's so many people involved in this project. Uh, Michelle Sana on drums, Luigi Andrione on bass, mm -hmm. and Antonio Agate on keyboards. Yeah, and those keyboards soar with the guitars. I mean, the, and the production, like everything just kind of comes together. The, the, the keyboards kind of remind me of, uh, it's like a halo. You know, right. um, John Lord used to call it a halo in Deep Purple. You know, that, that was kind of his technique where he'd play like a high note and then have some stuff underneath going on. But it's just, it's wall-to-wall -wall brilliance. Yeah, Jeff said he was more involved in the actual writing of the songs on right. this one than the first one. Yes. And I definitely feel like this one um, has more of that Queensryche feel yeah. to it. That's, Absolutely, yeah. That's like what like we were talking about. Uh, Walter Jean Cusi, I don't know how to say guitarist, and Dario Perante. I'm, that's why I'm having you do. But they are. All, I would. You, you're yeah, a braver man than I'm me. I'm a brave. I'm going in. I'm, it's just brave new world. Operation Mind Crime Andreoni? Live Man. Andreoni, maybe. Where? Uh, oh, well, you said it already. Yeah. Luigi Andreoni. I, well, yeah. anyway, sorry. Yeah, we'll I go with what that. he said. I think I said that one correct. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, it's it's just really really grabbed me. Yeah. Um, the, the title track. Everything just, I mean, wow. Yeah, Fly Angel Fly at the end really just kind of takes it to such a, a crescendo, I think. Kind of in the middle, another change and wake up call, remember me. Um, yeah. It's it's like a, there's a concept feel to it. And uh, although I, I remember trying to ask Jeff, you know, what he, and you hear it in the interview, you know, um, what, what were you trying to say? And he's like, well, you know, it's whatever people want to take from it, which right. is interesting, which makes sense, you know, but... Um, and then I tried to guess as to what he was talking about. Yeah. And I, I said, maybe I shouldn't have done that. But but I don't know. I mean, I just, the, the, the relentless spirit, the spirit of relentlessness, I mean, that everybody feels that in, yeah. at some point in their lives, you know. <clears throat> when I said title track, I meant the, the first track. Right. Once again, one sin. But yep. 
uh, strong pressure, let it be, another change, wake up call, remember me, anybody out there, which I thought was possibly a um, call out <laughs> to Queensryche. Right. But um, yeah, up, the, the song in Italian, of course, I'll mm -hmm. be the one, fly, angel, fly. Uh, ten songs, goodness, man. I think it did a little bit of Italian on the Take Cover album, right? Um Odessa, yes. Odessia, um, yes. I feel like he did. So it was interesting. You, you got the sense, and plus he's there. I don't know if he has a house in, in uh, Italy, but he, he goes there a lot, and yes. he was doing a wine tour. You know, yeah. He was doing something online. So he's definitely a fan of Italy, the culture, uh, the life over there, and, and of course, the, the incredible musicianship as well. And uh, I mean, what, what's so great about this record, too, is there's a whole dynamic of Jeff Tate projects outside of Queens. Like, he's been so busy in the last like 10, 11 years since yeah. he left the band. He was doing, he has his. When the the legal thing happened and they split off uh, into two Queens right. and that band later his version became the just band. a mess. Yeah, right. Yeah, and, and then his version became Operation Mind Crime, which um, where they would perform the Mind Crime suite entirely in, in its entirety, but also yeah. had a trilogy. Uh, I think there was the Key. He's had so many unique projects, and so if you're a Jeff Tate fan, if you and, and you love the conceptual ideas that he yeah. comes up with, because you know he was the one who came up with the whole Operation Mind Crime story. He has stories that are different and um, in their own right yeah. on all these other projects between Operation Mind Crime and now uh, this band here, Sweet Oblivion with Jeff Tate, and it's all just remarkable. And speaking of, of Mind Crime, we touched on it. We touched on uh, yeah. a How bunch great. of stuff we didn't know. How, yeah, the, the which... local connection uh, part of it, record, Gladwin, yeah. where uh, Mind Crime was recorded out this way. I had no idea. I had no idea as yeah. well. Yeah. There was a lot of stuff. Uh, we we did one of our first Zoom interviews with Jeff. Yes. And uh, it was just exhilarating. It was and so very cool. Very enjoyable. And we we determined at this point that that's the way we're going to go yeah. with this because um, it's just really nice to see who you're talking and to. And interact. And, and yeah, yeah. And just body language, everything. It's just so much fun. Isn't it awesome like to sit down with uh, Jeff Tate in the background, you have the yeah. computer the playing, uh, yeah, there's a guitar, the and then he, there's there's old pictures of Jeff, it was like a collage on his, I think like a screensaver, and you see those pictures of him yeah. from like the uh, Rage for Order era yeah. and the Mind Crime era, and it was just, it's really cool, you know, we sit down with David Sanctus, and you know, he has a, a, a couple cigarettes, you know, yeah. while he's just having a chat, and it changes everything, it really does, yeah. you know. It, it's good to be in the in the in, in their space, and and, and it, I think it's also enjoyable for them to be in our space. So yep. it, it I, I, it's just the way to go. This stuff is going to be. We're really excited for you to see it, and we can't wait to get it out there. Yeah, it may be a while, but we're going to do our best. Yeah, we've got we're busy uh, guys. We're, yeah, we're two, <laughs> two working class guys here, but you know, but this is our passion, and you guys keep us going. And so, yeah, we've got some great videos coming your way, and it's just, it's just, it's fun, you know. You you see people in their yeah. element. We see Ross the boss in his element, <laughs> um, and it was an yeah. interesting element. You we're know, we're not telling you. Right? We're not telling you what it was, but. Uh, you know, it's it's great. I mean, to, to see people that have the interaction, and uh, it's it's great, man. It's so cool. So we uh, really think that uh, Jeff had a lot to, to say about a lot of these these projects coming up that are out as this podcast mm -hmm. is going to drop. Right. And um, he talks about he we we learned early on that very early that that basically um, back in April that. Um, there were going to be some deluxe editions being released. Yeah. There's going to be tapes that they scoured through to find new stuff. Mm -hmm. um, 
Wow. These, these deluxe editions are absolutely amazing. Um, Empire. Yep. And Operation Mindcrime got the deluxe treatment. I know that there's there been a version of this before, right. but apparently this is the definitive version. There's more discs of yeah. material, unreleased stuff. And you noticed some stuff on the website of the band. Um, yeah, break. yeah, this was really weird. So Scott Rockenfield, um, who's been out of the band, he originally went on paternity leave about five years ago or so, right. and then never came back. Yeah, never came yeah. back to the band. Um, when Eddie Jackson, bass player, he was on the show a while back, he said... You know, JT, meaning their new singer, is their drummer. They don't really know what happened to Scott. Well, Scott put it together a website um, and basically listed, um, he's calling it Queensryche, enlisted Scott, uh, um, Eddie Jackson, who plays bass, and um, uh, Michael Wilton on guitar, he listed them as members of this band. But yeah. is it, are they coming are they coming to his version of Queensryche? Like, what's really going on here? Are they going to meet up with Jeff? You know? wow. Yeah, are they meeting up with Jeff? Because we asked Jeff, you know, we had a question. We said, well, what, would you get back with them, or have you followed what's going on with them? He said, I haven't really... He didn't seem to want to go there. He said there was a figure involved. There was a figure involved, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it had to be had to be met, so yep. uh, I don't think we could meet the amount. <laughs> we couldn't, yeah. yeah. We should crowdfund it. We should crowdfund it. Start now. <laughs> we should have started two years ago. <laughs> Nothing against Todd, of course. Right, but, of course, yeah. But, um, yeah, I just... To me, growing up with Queensryche... Yeah. You know, Jeff's the heart and soul, in my opinion. But that's my that's my opinion. Well, and I think uh, Todd's doing his own solo record, too. He, he's doing something, so... Something's um, going on. Something's up. So, yeah, the website... Um, Queensryche Official is... Okay, wait, no, that's the... That, okay, so on Queensryche Official, that's the band's official website. Yeah. Scott's still listed as the drummer, right. but I'm trying to find out his version of what it was. It was Queensryche... Yeah. I think it was just Queen. Let me see. We're, we're doing this in real time, folks. Hang on. Um, we're trying to reach out to Scott to find out what's going on. Exactly. We, yeah, we just... We We've not gotten a response, but we're, we're still working on it. It's been, it's been interesting, you know. Um, I have fat fingers, so it's hard to type... Um, they are extremely fat. <laughs> so if we go to <laughs> queensright.com, okay, so that goes to Queensright Official. There was a, yeah, anyway, we're trying to figure out what was really going on with Scott and what's happening there. Um, because, yeah, he did. He had his own page together, and we were like, well, what's this? This is really interesting, yeah. you know? Because he said he had a whole story, and he was he was in his basement. There's a, a basement area in his house that I guess he, where they used to do yeah. their early recordings, and yeah. um, he was talking about something like he's been at work doing something. So what yeah. was he? What's going on? What's happening? What's his story? We, we really want to. Find we don't out. know more yeah. arch archival material, right? Um, we don't know, but it's it's exciting regardless. Yeah. I, I mean, there is a lot of stuff out there still, right? And you know, to your point, um, Jeff did say that they went back and there were some bits and pieces from the mind crime sessions that they didn't recognize and they said right. oh what was this and a lot of unfinished stuff but it was kind of cool he said it was really interesting going back and digging that up yeah. because uh, you know he didn't remember a lot of it and a lot of bands have been doing that kind of thing you know I think Tesla recently they went back into some of their old stuff and that, you know digging it up sure um, it's it's wild. Even bands like U2 and The yeah. Cure did it for uh, deluxe editions of, of their albums they took songs that they wrote mm -hmm. and recorded demos of back in 79 80 81 right. and they re-recorded it or they used the, the like the instrumentation yeah. from the original and, and redid uh, like a and and it gets a usually gets a mixed reaction from the fans because mm -hmm. it's like well that's not robert's voice right then 
that's Robert's voice now. Right, right. Robert is half the singer or whatever that he now that he was then or yeah. whatever. Same with Bono. You know, he's croaking a new version of the song. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. I'm not going to pick on Bono, but um, <laughs> that stuff does get out eventually, and it's very exciting. And, and many, I think, some of the stuff that I'm talking about uh, was was really cool. Yeah, yeah. In both those in both those cases, uh, the Cure uh, re-recording some of their older tracks. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them was Scorpions the, did that. Yeah, the Glove Project uh, that Robert did. Uh, there was like 15, 16 new Glove songs mm -hmm. came out of nowhere. Yeah. But he, he re, re, redid vocals and um, they kind of pushed it off as uh, vintage recordings right. and everyone's like that's not how he right. sounded <laughs> yeah um, because he's several octaves lower now right so which happens with age yeah that's yeah. one of the things yeah I think and, he even said in an interview he was listening to one of the older records and um, he was just like uh, he was bristling at like his what he sounded like back then, but you yeah. know that's what it is. But know? if if there is stuff, there are snippets out there, are full songs uh, or stuff that can be made into full songs, and it still hold mm -hmm. that Queensrÿche torch, so to speak. I would love to hear them. So. Yeah, that would be amazing. I mean, especially because you're it's like a time capsule. You know, it really yeah. is. It, like, it takes you back to what Dude, was literally happening in that moment. I eat that stuff up. Yeah. When Sabbath, they they just discovered that Ronnie James Dio track. Mm -hmm. Tony um, wasn't happy when it went out, but yeah, <laughs> but Tony I'm so glad I got to hear it. Slap I have back. it. <laughs> slap, it's slapback, yeah. Slapback. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Just it's great. Get, just get it out there. Yeah, yeah, let the people see it, I mean, or hear it, you know. it's Life's it's too short. It is, you know, and, and we, we just get a kick out of that, you know. Why let not? the fans decide. That's always been... Right. If I... I don't know if I was in that situation. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. If there's a song, but like there's some Jeff Buckley stuff out there that is absolutely mind blowing, and mm -hmm. there's some Van Halen stuff that's out there that's absolutely mind blowing. There's a video and for um, that it was never before seen um, for. Oh, there's a whole the one in Italy. Yeah, the one in Italy, um, and I'm blanking on the song, but it was wild. It was like the, some women and children first, right? Yeah, yeah. From there, and there's like they're in a dinosaur, yeah. they're in like a park, an amusement <laughs> park, but it was cool. And it's yeah. like somebody had this from all these years yeah. ago, and here it is, you know. There's so much yeah. stuff to be to still be discovered, and yeah, uh, yeah. You and I were like, wow, yeah. when he was talking about when Jeff was talking about this stuff, we it were was, just going it was crazy just, yeah. inside. Well, and it was a credit to you for asking the question because I, you know, I Mind Crimes is one of my favorite records, and I never thought about, you know, I never thought about, you know, is there anything extra? I just never. I assume there probably wasn't because it was. It's such a masterpiece. It's so iconic. Sure. One of the greatest concept albums of all time and he said yeah there might be you know he starts getting into it and i'm thinking my mind was just blown at that point so it was really amazing yeah but the the vinyl is is very reasonably priced 33 dollars for the two lp version of operation Minecraft. that's not bad at all i i there previously like maybe 10 years ago 12 years ago maybe even sooner than i can't really remember mm. uh there was a single LP version released, which uh, crammed everything on there. Yeah. Uh, with records, that's not always a good thing. I'm hearing good things about um, <clears throat> the, the quality of these things. Mm -hmm. So. Um, that's why you are the vinyl master. He's uh, got. He has his ear to the ground. And Empire, there's there are several versions of this. Um, there is a green translucent. I mean, I'm sorry, 180 gram translucent green audiophile. 30th that's the 30th anniversary limit it's a it's limited the, version the design right? that one's a little yeah. more that's 42 dollars but very respectable if you just want a black the black 
vinyl version of it, uh, 26 bucks for Empire right now. Mm, perfect. I mean, come on. That's yeah. a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. That should be in everybody's collection. Well, that record flows, too. It's such a brilliant record, and, and to have the extra stuff is just... It's a cherry on top, man. You know, it really is. So, yeah. that's good. And if you're going to try to find the original EP... <laughs> which which always looked vintage just with the artwork. And what yeah. is that price? That one left in stock and look at that price. On Same. Amazon? Yeah. Yeah, brand new. 1983 EMI America pressing yeah. on Amazon for 99 wow. bucks. How about that, that? That's that's not a good determinant. Yeah, but right. you know, but you can probably grab one of those for 20 bucks. Yeah, bucks. yeah. But it's, it's just it's a great. I love the product. It's old school vintage production, but I love it. It works, man. It's a great song to cruise to just drive down the straightaway too you know <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah but i think if if you're fans of the, of the early stuff i think you'll dig this record yeah. i really think uh you should check it out yeah and we'll check it, out uh, i'm just glad to have them back man. yeah me too i i mean i've been waiting for something like this and it's, it's been fantastic and what do you say we uh get over into this record coming up so here we go remember me sweet oblivion with jeff tate yes enjoy this thing just really cooks and I feel so many themes coming from this record and it feels so timely. I mean, tell us about what you wanted to share in terms of messaging in this particular time with this release. Uh, well, you know, I, I didn't really have a, a set agenda really. Um, this is one of those kind of records that's uh, just kind of happened, you know, spur of conscious stream of consciousness kind of thing, you know, and then after you listen to all the tracks, then you start going, oh, okay. I guess what I mean is, <laughs> I guess what I, what I meant to say was, <laughs> although I don't really like to explain it, you know, I, I kind of like to let the music do the talking and people to uh, sort of come to their own conclusions, you know, about music. Because, you know, really, we, we all listen to it differently. We all hear it differently. And, you know, we filter it through our own uh, life filters, so to speak. So I wouldn't want to... Uh, you know, necessarily uh, influence somebody's, uh, you know, opinion about it, you know, with, uh, with my opinion, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's sure. definitely a feel of like just, a, you know, determination and, and just fire. And I think the music, to me, that's what I take from it. The music kind of carries that along too. And I think, I mean, who couldn't use a little bit of determination these days, you know? Again, that's just my <laughs> opinion, but. Uh... Yeah, there you go. We'll see if you don't. Um, 
some people would want to put that record on and uh, put their headphones in or their earbuds and go on a long run or a workout or something like that. You know, it, ha it has that kind of feel. Other people, uh, you know, they want to turn it off. <laughs> does, it, does it feel good, uh, Jeff, to, to get out there and, and get a, another release under your belt? To, I mean, after this past year, what it's such a struggle for, for everybody emotionally, mentally. Uh, does, does it feel good to, to get something like this out? Yeah, I think it does. Um, it, it, you know, it, uh, it is definitely an adjustment, uh, you know, not being on the road and touring, uh, which is something I've just gotten used to doing most of my life. You know, 2019, I was home 23 days and that was it, you know? So, uh, yeah, being in one place is kind of a big adjustment, but honestly, to be truthful, I really like it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been actually enjoying myself being home and, uh, you know, uh, doing stuff, you know, uh, well, like making music. I, I work pretty consistently, uh, uh, typically like five days a week. I'll be in the studio working and I got lots of stuff, you know, uh, going musically. But I also, you know, um, cleaned out my storage unit. <laughs> You know, <laughs> stuff I've been collecting all these years and meaning to get to, you know, and took a bunch of clothes that I can't fit into anymore, uh, you know, to the uh, thrift store and, you know, did all those like projects that uh, were staring me in the face. You know, I thought, I thought kind of like doing something, like rolling up your sleeves and getting your hands on something yeah. would uh, be good for my spirit, you know, kind of, uh, I like to work. And so this is a way to be kind of, you know, hands-on doing something that, that wasn't music, but, that uh, still gives you a sense of accomplishment and uh, well-being, you know. But yeah, um, I'm, I'm glad the record's out, and I'm glad uh, that uh, that chapter is closed and moving on to a new frontier, so to speak. Is that how you do it? You say what you want to say on a record? You do a project, and you kind of just keep it, keep it uh, cooking, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I move on to the next thing that is of interest to me, you know, mm -hmm. and um, got quite a few interests going, right? I think I have three, three separate projects in the works. I just don't know what to call them anymore because, uh, you know, an album so much is kind of a, I don't know, their thing, it's going to be a thing of the past, you know, yeah. people aren't releasing, you know, collections of music anymore so much. So I don't know, it might be called a grouping or uh, you know, uh, extended play. Uh, I don't know what they're going to call it or what I'll even call it, but there's uh, all kinds of uh, interesting ways to release your music out there now. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, and uh, this question, I'm push, pushing up a lot higher than I probably would have, but it's been like almost 10 years since there, there's been a, a final release of uh, our favorite uh Reich album, uh, Operation Mind Crime, yeah. and like 15 years since the second uh, Operation Mind Crime. Is there any uh, plans for these to get uh, that, that, that vinyl or deluxe treatment in the next couple of years? Uh, yeah, there's talk about that. Um, yes. There was uh, actually a planned release of the Empire album coming out uh, this year, well, 2020. But uh, of course, the COVID thing, I think, put a big kibosh on that. 
And uh, but I'm still waiting to hear from EMI as if they're you know planning on uh, issuing it this year. But no, uh, no word yes of yet. But yeah, yeah, you you're probably right. Uh, something's due to happen, huh? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> themes, uh, speaking of those records, I mean, there are so many themes on those records that to me, you know, you're hearing a lot more today. I mean, I was I was actually researching the law enforcement budget for a, a project I was working on and. Of course, there's the spoken track and uh, empire. And I just wanted to, I mean, do you feel like some of these themes, I know you said you leave interpretation up to the listener, but do you feel like a lot of these themes kind of come back around uh, regardless of politics? I mean, there's always the pursuit of power, I suppose, and, and related topics. Yeah, well, a lot of the themes, uh, especially in the, in the mind crime story are kind of classic uh, ideas that, uh, I think humanity has been kind of placed, plagued with or uh, challenged by, you know, since we started the idea of civilization, you know, um, you know, how do we get along really? And how do we, how do we uh, create a, a power structure without hurting people? Um, yeah. These are age old issues that, uh, you know, we're still grappling with, you know, thousands and thousands of years after we, uh, stopped following the uh giant herds of buffalo f around the world you know so uh yeah um people ask me what are they a lot of times they ask me uh well why do you think you know the operation mind crime story really affected people and i always say because i think that uh it's because the themes are classic themes you know it's, it's a struggle we've always gone through and that we're still looking for the the silver lining or the answer you know on how to how to make those things happen. Did you guys have any uh, stuff on the cutting room floor for, for that first record? The mind crime record? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there were a couple, few things that, uh, ideas that didn't get uh, you know, fleshed out. And, um, and then a lot of stuff, we kind of rolled into the next record, the Empire record. You know, funny enough, uh, <laughs> I guess it's been maybe 15 years ago, maybe, maybe even close to 20 years ago. Um, really when digital technology took off so, so uh, much that, that uh, you know, the, the use of tape, you know, and recording tape was really going up by the wayside and all the audio people were saying, look, if you have you know, records that were mastered and, you know, recorded on this old, dinosaur format you know called tape you should really transfer everything to digital and uh so we did that with uh, all our all our uh, master tapes and uh come to find out a lot of them were in a, a beginning stage of deterioration where the actual magnetic particles start falling apart and once mm -hmm. they get to a certain point they're unusable right so the, the, the rush became, you know, well, we got to take care of this. So we're looking into all these different ways of preserving the tape. And one of the, the main ways you do it is you actually have to bake the tape in the oven, mm. in an oven, you know, heat it up and oh, yeah. you know, supercharge the particles and make them stick and all that. And then you have basically one pass to record that album, all those tracks to digital format, right? Anyway, I don't know why I'm going into such depth to describe this function for you, but I was getting to my point was that uh, in listening back to the digital uh, master tapes, um, gosh, there was a lot of unfinished material there. 
songs that uh, none of us remember even working on, you know, were completed vocal parts and guitar solos and stuff and, you know, stuff we'd written and just, you know, <laughs> forgotten. <laughs> so, yeah, a lot of that stuff does exist. And, um, you know, uh, I don't know what's ever going to happen to it. If, yeah. if, uh, if we could all sit in the same room for a, a minute, you know, and come to some kind of uh, agreement on what to do with it, it could be interesting, you know to see uh, what's there it can we do something with it or is it you know for nothing diehard fans would be just going nuts i think hearing that i, I know things are always a little tough with fans but, i mean is that something you ever thought could happen or you know i, I know you you know you you move ahead but uh you know moving to the next thing but as i guess fans always have that question <laughs> especially with that tidbit yeah well i yeah i can understand that you know um I don't know why I started talking about that. Oh, because you mentioned something about uh, stuff on stuff on the cutting room floor, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, looking at this um, th this record, you know, Sweet Oblivion, it's the second record now, uh, right? I think, right? Second record. Talk about this project and what it's been like to link up with these guys um, in Italy. Um, what, like, does this have the, it's, it's different, of course, because there's a, a distance thing, I think, but is, does it feel... Um, what's the identity feel like for this project? I mean, does it feel like it kind of has a life of its own at this point? Um, I don't know how to answer that. Um, it kind of is what it is. It it's a, a cool project, as far as I'm concerned. It's a you know it it was uh, my request to uh, the people at Frontier to hook me up with um, you know some different projects. Um, you know, after working, you know, 30 plus years with the same people when I was in Queensryche, you know, it, I needed a, a real change after that. And, uh, I thought, well, gosh, it'd be nice to collaborate with different people, you know, do some, uh, writing with some different musicians and producers. And so I, so I asked, uh, Mario at, at, uh, Frontiers, if he had anything in mind, you know, let me know. And a couple of years later, he floated this idea by me and, um, gosh, I, I really like it. You know, it, it's, it actually does exactly what I wanted, which is, you know, put me in collaboration with different artists. And it just so happens uh, a lot of the artists are Italian, you know, uh, on this particular project. And it was great working with, uh, with uh, Simone on the first album and the second album, uh, Aldo uh, Lenoble was the main producer and, and writer on it. And, uh, it's, it's a cool way of working. A lot of people kind of freak out when they, they hear, well, we never even, you know, <laughs> met in a room. It's all done, you know, virtually from studio to studio. And, but that's kind of the way I've been working for like the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years, you know? Yeah. Um, it's great because you get your studio comfortable. You have it sounding the way you want. You have all your gear around you. You don't have to like pick up and go to somebody else's studio to work. You know, you can do everything in your own and then you just share files back and forth. You, you know, you email back and forth, you talk on the phone or you text and, you know, well, here's this version of this I gave you and it's got this new thing on it. Tell me what you think. And they'll send it back saying, Oh, I like that. But I changed the, the second half of it. What do you think about that? And so you're just kind of building this track as you go along. Right. Uh, it's great. It's fantastic. I love it. It's a, uh, it's real and efficient way to you know make records, I think. Because a lot of time when you're in a studio together, there's hours and hours of just wasted time. People telling stories. Sure. 
drink, drinking too much, falling down. I don't know. You know, it's, 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 it's a lot of wasted time, you know? Yeah. How did the, the single with the Prague Collective, how did that come about? It that popped up on my phone a little while ago uh, with Bumblefoot on guitar. What did they just, did they just contact you and, and say, Jeff? Yeah. I think that was with uh, Billy, Billy Sherwood from Yes. Yeah. yeah, who's a buddy. And uh, he uh, was working on the song and thought of me and said, I, I just hear your voice on this. Would you, are you interested? And, and I said, well, let me hear it. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me the track and immediately I loved it because I'm a huge Yes fan. I really love that kind of st style that they've developed. And um yeah, so I jumped jumped at the chance really to be part of it because uh, I'm a huge fan. I think looking at um, since your time uh, leaving, uh, you know your your former band, you've been so prolific. I mean, uh, you had your version of, of course, Queens like Operation Mindcrime now, um, Sweet Oblivion, um, and then you've got a, so, some solo material too. What's it like to have all of this material? Um, I mean. Do they, I guess two part question: Do the songs feel like your children? And I guess do they feel like children from different families in a way? Uh, you know, there's so much, so much to pick from when you go and uh, schedule a tour. Yeah, I, there is actually. It, it becomes very difficult to pick what song to do. You know, groups of songs. So um, I've been kind of going with this theme of uh, well, let's just perform an album in its entirety. You know, I really like that idea, and I like the presentation. And uh, we had really good luck, uh, luck with that, with uh, performing Operation Minecraft 1 for the 30-year anniversary. And, yeah. and so when it came time to do the Empire album, it made perfect sense, you know. Um, and just for fun, because i never done it, we uh, put Rage for Order in there in its entirety, nice. as well as playing the yes. Empire album. So, yes. so that was really a fun tour, and we're going to pick that up again uh, next month, May start touring again can't wait for that's gonna be fun that's awesome. kind of get back into it god i'm so out of shape you know from like uh not touring and singing every day and you know i got to get myself back in the back in the saddle <laughs> that's awesome to see man sorry shane go ahead no that brings me i i mean how do you um the thing that was amazing listening to this this new record is is just your voice i mean how do you keep your voice sounding so good i mean we talked to halford about this he's not he's not in the fancy teas or honey or anything like that he said he just goes out and does it i mean is that are, do you have like a regimen um well my regiment is that i i get up every day and start singing you know start warming up and, uh i've been really lucky and had i have a really strong voice and uh i've you know been relatively healthy most of my life so I, mean, I never even broke a bone you know <laughs> <laughs> i go into the doctor the, the checkups you know and they have this gigantic section of the form you, you fill out that you're supposed to describe all the medications you're on yeah. i've never been on many medications <laughs> at all and they they actually think i'm lying to them you know and i, I have to when i go in there i go because i leave it all blank and i put the na you know and they uh yeah. They can't believe it, but I got, I've just been really lucky. And uh, so I, I guess like Rob, you know, he is of the same mind. You just, you don't think about it. You just do it, you know? Um, 
I think if you if you think about it too much, I think it's going to cause you problems, you know, psychological problems and confidence issues. The only time I ever could not sing is uh, years ago, a fan brought us a bunch of uh, like uh, edible presents. Like she was a, from a bakery mm. and she had these cakes and pies and brownies and everything. And man, I was a brownie fan. Right. So I'm popping these brownies. And, uh, and after like 20 minutes, she says, what happened to all the brownies? I went, oh, guilty. You know, she goes, oh my God, those are laced with weed. <laughs> well, put it this way. <laughs> the, the night show was not a show <laughs> in the usual sense of the word. It was more like me standing there looking at the audience like a, like a deer caught in the headlights, you know, this <laughs> massive wave of paranoia, you know, and yeah. Um, yeah, the slight hallucinations and, um, you know, feelings of uh, ineptness and what am I doing up there? This is buffoonery, you know, that kind of thing. So never done that again. <laughs> Speaking, I, you know, since Southford came up, I mean, you know, I was listening to, uh, I was reading an article about the old three trimmers. I think that project, it never really happened. And I know we were talking <laughs> yeah. about cutting room floor. Was that, was there ever anything that happened there at all or, or no? With the, I think it was Bruce Dickinson well, himself and Halford. Well, it's funny. Um, I was just doing an interview the, in the last few months, and somebody asked me that question about the three tremors. And they had just they had inter, uh, interviewed uh, Bruce Dickinson, and he had a completely different outlook on it than I did. Um, I guess we remember it differently, which is definitely possible um, given the amount of time and experiences we both had mm -hmm. um i remember sitting at an italian restaurant while we were on tour and uh uh god now i can't remember his name uh oh uh ron smallwood the manager for maiden asked the waiter to come over and said what's this music we're listening to and the waiter said oh well that's the the three tenors the uh the opera stars that's a new record and uh he stopped for a minute and listened a little longer. And then he stood up with his glass of wine and he said, I think that, that Rob and, and Bruce and Jeff should form a new project and we'll call it the three Tremors. What do you think? And we all laughed. And that's pretty much all it was, was dinner conversation, you know? <laughs> and just so it was coincidental that maybe like a month or two later, uh both bruce and i joined rob on stage at one of his shows in london because we both just happened to be in london at the time and we sang a song together so maybe people were putting you know too much into it you know but it uh it never uh it never happened <laughs> you know <laughs> it didn't work out, it didn't work out on paper you know we couldn't yeah. draw any arrows you know where we'd all meet you know <laughs> yeah I think it was the one you love to hate, right? I think it was that I saw the there's a YouTube there's a YouTube video of everything, and every time I watched that, I said, "Man, that, that it was pretty awesome. It was a pretty awesome." Show. Yeah, yeah I don't, I, I barely even remember that, um, which is uh, don't ever get old. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you did a not to switch subjects. But you did a killer cover of Neon Nights yeah. on Take Cover, and uh, we we know that. Uh, yeah, Ronnie was was part of your life. What, what, uh, how much of an influence on you was was Ronnie James Dio? Oh, tremendous! 
yeah he really shaped my my opinion uh, about uh, quite a few things really you know first off he was a, a incredibly decent human being and very kind you know and um, that's a, a wonderful thing that he uh, inadvertently passed off to me I, I picked up a lot of his uh, um, I guess philosophy you know on how to navigate through the world um, how to treat people and uh, how to interact you know I guess with uh, people in the business and fans and, and that kind of thing he he was wonderful just very gifted at remembering people's names that he had met once 10 years prior you know he really had a gift with that and uh, treated everybody with uh, you know uh, decency and uh, uh, just respect you know and I think that kind of is a reciprocal thing where you treat people with respect and then you get treated with respect you know um, he had a, a, a really amazing knack of making people feel comfortable around him you know, he was aware of his impact on people. So he worked to uh, make them feel at home or, or comfortable around him, you know. Uh, funny, kind of a funny story. Uh, he, he was responsible for bringing Queensryche to Europe on our very first tour. Really? And yeah, just uh, brought us on, on uh, the big rock tour of Europe. And we played like 30 or 40 dates with him. Um, really got our feet wet. And... I remember the first day we got on the tour, uh, we showed up at the venue and he met us at the, at the stage and said, welcome, welcome to the tour, shook our hands. He goes, come on upstairs. And so we followed him upstairs and he had this big palatial dressing room and uh, he had like uh, it catered and he loved Indian food. So it was all Indian food laid out, which none of us had ever had. And um, so that was an eye-opening experience, <laughs> uh, sp especially the next day anyway. Um, so he introduced us to the band. We got on, you know, handshakes and one-on-one -on -one conversation with everybody in the band. Then he brought the whole crew in and introduced us to the crew. So we were on one-on-one -on -one with that. And then we all had dinner and it was all like very festive and cool. And I thought to myself, so this is how it's done. You know, this happens. Wow. Well, that never, ever happened again <laughs> on any tour. <laughs> Most tours, you never, you never see the headliner. You never, you know, they don't move in the same circles and they certainly aren't very open or friendly to you, you know. Yeah. But Ronnie was just a very special man. Working with him, too, on uh, there were stars. And then I remember the big announcement when he was Dr. X. I said, this, you know, I think there was a there was a contest or something that went out. And we're going to reveal who is Dr. X. And what, I remember when that announcement uh, happened, I said, Ronnie James Dio, that's perfect. I mean, so when you performed or worked with them in some capacity, you know, stars and then Dr. X, I mean, what was it like working, you know, two voices on the same tracks? I mean, just amazing. Yeah, well, he was incredibly amazing. Um, I, this was, uh, now I'm going to try to remember the year, which I can't, but we were doing the Operation Mindcrime 2 record. And had written this song called The Chase, and it required uh, Dr. X and Nikki, the two characters, to sing at each other, basically, kind of a standoff feud kind of thing, right? Um, bare knuckle fighting with words, right? So um, uh, Ronnie's voice just came to mind immediately. And uh, I called him up and I said, I got this song. It's for the Operation Mindcrime 2 album. And he says, you want me to sing? I go, yeah. And he goes, send it to me. Let me hear it. So I sent it to him 
And uh, he wrote back, he goes, okay, let's book a studio time. When do you want it? You know? And uh, it just so happened about a month later, I guess we were in San Francisco. And so he uh, came up from LA and he spent a day with us. Just, <laughs> I remember when we were in, in this recording studio, we got them all set up and uh, he didn't want to warm up or do anything. He just, he just kind of yelled at the mic a little bit so he could set some levels. And then he just wanted to run the track and he just, he, he did like, I don't know, 10 tracks, 10 takes. And uh, he paused, he goes, so uh, I'm just kind of getting warmed up and uh, I think we should continue on. I just need a cup of tea. Somebody make me a cup of tea. So went off the mic there and uh, my engineer turned to me and he goes, I can't believe it. We have 10 amazing takes and he wants to do more. I mean, he could stop. He he could stop after the fourth one. We have this. We have the song. <laughs> you know? But he just did that. He just gave us like take after take of amazing. You know. Yeah. So in a way, I mean, cool as that is, it also creates this huge problem. Like, well, how do you how do you decide what's great about great? <laughs> You know, how do you judge it, right? So I mean, it was really difficult. But uh, yeah, he's just a master. He opens his mouth, and that voice just happens. You know. Yeah. Do you uh, do you ever practice with with opera when you're uh, when you're practicing, getting your voice in shape, like like Ronnie did? Well, I wanna. Um, I think maybe when I grow up, I'll be an opera singer. Yeah. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Is that a glimpse of the next project? No. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Ah, maybe. <laughs> well, I did a um, I did a song in Italian on this latest album, yeah. Sweet Oblivion, called Aria. So that maybe got my foot in the door a little bit. Um, I know there was some concern with my uh, producer Aldo when it came to uh, singing it in Italian because that's his native language. And he said that it. Uh, it needed to be understandable. So I guess I did okay because I got the two thumbs up, you know, and he, he didn't make me do it again. So <laughs> that's good. That's funny. Yeah. Is there a, uh, go ahead, Dave. I don't know. It's all you. No, is there uh, anything on this on Relentless that specifically deals with uh, the past year, like uh, the right. pandemic? Is there anything that uh, I haven't seen the lyrics yet to this album? I just figured I'd ask. Are you in your car? I am. I couldn't. I couldn't get to where I'm supposed to be. I'm. I'm in the middle. I was stuck here for after work, so I'm stuck in my. That's car. great. I did a. I did a. I'm I did on, an interview the other day in my car too. Nice, did you? And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm parked at the, on this uh, in this parking spot in front of this restaurant, and my wife and my daughter had gone in to to eat, and they were saving me a place, right? Because I had to finish up this interview and. So I'm doing the interview and uh, this uh, older gentleman uh, backs into my car. <laughs> I'm just sitting there in a car and he, he backs into it and then he pulls away. And so I have to stop the interview and I have to jump out, you know, and I have to like deal with the whole, you know, possible insurance, you know, possible whiplash, you know, mm -hmm. this kind of thing. But uh, turns out it didn't even make a scratch and it was no big deal. But I can't see how he did. He had a backup camera, too. And he had a little beeper that was going off and everything. And he just slammed right into me. Oh, my God. Anyway, 
What was the question? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, just about how relentless. And are yeah. there any tr any tracks on there that are dealing with uh, the past year and what what we've all gone through? Uh, there's one. Um, it's called uh, "I'll Be the One." Mm. That's uh, yeah. That's I would say that that's very influenced by the uh, the COVID uh, pandemic. Um, funny enough, you know, uh, I was. Uh, making this record i was uh, in ireland at the time my wife and i had gone over and uh, we rented a house and we were uh, just hanging out over there visiting friends and family and um it turned out to be a great place for writing you know just this uh, little country cabin you know looking out over the countryside and uh, we spent like three or four months there just uh writing the record you know and uh, the COVID thing was just raging around us. And um, Ireland is such a small country. You know, they, they have, they have uh, less people that are in the state of Washington where I live, you know. Um, a really small country and they have very few people. And, and so, you know, they're trying to protect people, their people as much as possible. So they, they really shut down. Like you couldn't go five kilometers away from your home you know, things like that. They shut the pubs, which is, I don't know, God, God help the Irish when they close the pubs, you know, they don't know what to do. They lose their fucking minds, really, you know? Yeah. So uh, a lot of in-house drinking that happens, you know, yeah. and that, uh, proud to say I was part of that. Had a good time there. <laughs> well, I guess it puts the writing at all or just uh, the writing process. <laughs> Yeah, well, the writing process uh, took a little bit longer, probably due to the uh, the drinking. But right. <laughs> you know, um, we do what we have to, right? Yeah. We do what we have to. Has your yeah. oh, go ahead, Shane? I'm sorry. I mean, Italy's still shut down. I guess as we speak, I I, I think they went back into lockdown the last time I checked. Is that? Um, <clears throat> have you been in touch with anybody over there? As far as yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's like a lot of countries. You know, they'll they'll seem like it's getting under you know control, and then um, then they'll have these surges, and so they you know reshut things down, change up the rules a little bit. Um, I don't know where you guys are from. Are you uh, in the U.S.? Yep, yeah, Philadelphia. Oh, Philadelphia. Okay. Oh God, Philly, huh? Yeah. I did uh, we did parts of my crime out there? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, in Philadelphia. Yeah, where this old? Uh, that's a, it. Was an old, um, like a paper mill that was on the river. Um, God, I can't remember the name of the area. It's like a real old part of Philadelphia, like residential. There's lots of trees, and it's beautiful. Wow. Um, I don't think the the studio's still there. The building probably is because it was it was uh, like a Revolutionary War era building. And uh, was it Maniunk? No, no, it wasn't that. That's why I know it if I saw it on the map. I can't, it's I think it's oh, Gladwin. Oh, yeah, okay. Gladwin. Yeah, that's where it's at. Okay, oh, yeah, wow. but I had a great time out there. Yeah, it was like uh, it was autumn, you know, all the trees were beautiful colors, and uh, you know, that area of the country at that time of season is really cool, you know, yeah. very inspirational. So there's a little bit of Philly in uh, the Operation Mind Crime album. 
<laughs> well, see, I had no idea. It's one of well, it's one of our favorite records, and, and I had no idea that Philly music. There's something in Philly, about Philly and so many different, you know, albums, and it, that's wild. So that's that's pretty cool to know. It's awesome. I'd gone out to uh, when I was younger and single. I was really into the clubs, you know, um, and kind of uh, downtown Philadelphia. There was couple of really cool clubs uh that were real extreme and vibey you know and uh one night all of us went out and from the studio and we i drank particularly a lot that night and um <laughs> when i got was it was it that night yeah i think it was that night um or no no it was the next morning the next morning after everybody went on to eat and the only place that was open was some little diner in the neighborhood we were staying and so we went to the diner and they had this, uh, uh, I don't know, breakfast dish that I'd never heard of. Mm. And I'm kind of an adventurous eater. So I ordered it. It was called Scrapple. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I vomited. Yeah. I vomited. <laughs> <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> yeah, if, you, if, you, if you found out what was in that, uh, you, that, you, yeah. Yeah. You made that's the right true. choice. You'd vomit that's why I vomited. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's everything, right? It's uh, everything they got left over and sitting there and that yeah. they didn't sell, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know where to go from there. Back <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> to Operation Minecraft now. <laughs> yeah. Is it, yeah. Is it um, I, I was just wondering, like writing over the years, I mean, uh, has it has the process changed for you? I mean, certainly the technology has, I imagine, but has the sort of your intellectual approach to it, has that changed or do you still kind of have a general uh, same process? Yeah, I have a, a, a process that works for me. Um, I kind of like uh, have this, uh, I usually have some sort of idea in my head, you know, of what I want to try to do. And then I'll spend, you know, several hours uh, throwing stuff up against the wall and see if something that I'm doing gets me to where I think I'm supposed to be. And then uh, I usually take a break and, and have lunch, mm. you know. And uh, at that point, um, if the idea is uh, sounding pretty good, you know, I'll go back to it and, you know, work till, you know, dinner. Um based on that idea. And if, if it doesn't happen, then I'll either start something different or not go back to work. <laughs> really. But I read this real interesting book years ago about a trick that you can do um, to alleviate having a writer's block, which a lot of people get. They just sit there and stare at the blank computer screen or the blank piece of paper. They can't think of what to do. And so this little trick I learned was to leave what it is you're doing the day before unfinished. Mm. So that way you have a place to start the next day. You know, um, you can even like, you know, create a melody line all the way up to the resolve and you just, you know what the resolve notes is going to be, but you just don't record it because obviously the next day you'll listen to it back and you go, Oh, okay. Well, I got to put that resolve note in. And so once you, you do that, you're on a roll and you, know, you can continue on, you know, it's a, it's a good trick to learn and it uh, works for me. Yeah. I was wondering, that's cool. Awesome. Very cool. 
I have to ask this because I, I, I know you've been asked this recently, but I, or a couple years ago, I don't know if anybody's asked it since then, but um, there's so much stuff on Netflix, Amazon Prime. Uh, there's so many channels. They're looking for content all the time. Has anyone approached you about a, a motion picture or animated anything of, of the mind crime? I mean, it's, it's perfect for that. It's a perfect thing for that visual format. Any, any, anybody done that yet? Maybe, possibly. Nice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, nothing I can talk about at the moment. Hmm. Had to ask. <laughs> That's a good sign if you can't yeah, talk yeah. about it. Just the casting alone is intriguing. Because I remember you playing Nikki in, I think, one of the videos for Operation Mindcrime 2 or something. And on the tour... So I was like, man, that'd be that'd be really cool. Wild. Yeah. Yeah, the main uh, the actor that I've always wanted to have play Dr. X passed away, mm. Max von Cito. I always pictured him as the, the the X figure. I guess probably because I was an Exorcist fan and he was so effective in that, you know. Yeah. But if you look at the album cover, the the um, the character on the album cover kind of does look like Max von Sydow, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I was going to say something. <laughs> hey, isn't it weird how many people die these days? What do you think about that? Is that uh, is that just because uh, we're so covered with news coverage these days that, and so everybody's connected and we're all you know witnessing life going by at the same time, or is I it just like more and more people are dying? Like, no, especially my age group. You know, oh my god, yeah, oh, it's scary, man, it's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it feels like the rapture or something. The last couple of years, it's, <laughs> the it, yeah. it, it started with Bo, it started with Bowie and and Prince, you know, mm. in, the, in the music in the music world, and it just hasn't let up. And I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of those folks are the the same age. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, and, you know, and unfortunately, the musician's life is oftentimes not the healthiest lifestyle, you know? Well, I think Facebook, you know, even before news, like the last few years before um, the pandemic, it's like even, you know, you go on Facebook, it feels like there's friends who are losing family members or something. And it seems like I felt I would yeah. know more about that than anything else almost. And then of course the pandemic does hit. And it's like, you know, you just gotta, you, you have to look away. I mean, watching CNN, they have the count literally on the screen for most of the pandemic and it was just, it was a bit, it was, it was hard for me, hard to watch, you know? Yeah, yeah it is. And if you live in a, a major city, it, it's, uh, it's definitely um, sobering, you know, to see your, your fellow humans suffering. And uh, I don't know how it is in Philadelphia area, but here out West, oh my God, we, our homeless situation is, uh, it's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. I've never, ever seen it like this where there are so many people camping yeah. you know uh yeah not, and not just not just your usual you know down and out alcoholic drug addicts but i mean families and people out of work you know and uh it's weird it's, it's very very strange and i don't quite know what to make of it you know yeah we've seen some of that we're having some of that here in philadelphia i mean the the homeless uh people experiencing homelessness that the numbers have increased and it's it's horrible i mean you know this city it's the they say at least statistically it's the biggest poor city in the country and so there's a lot of people who had very were barely getting by and then 
you know, when everything gets shut down because of the pandemic, it's, it, you know, everything's fueled. I mean, the violence is up. Uh, here we had 499 homicides last year, which is like a 35 year high, something like that. It's awful. Um, yeah. and, uh, it's just all, all sorts of bad things are just, you know, blowing, just ballooning, you know, it's, it's, I mean, Shane, you cover it every day out there. In the yeah. Us, you know? I do. It, it's, it's numbing. It really is. It's, it's been a tough year. Yeah, that's that's the that's the thing that really gets me is the numbing aspect because, uh, like you're saying, there's so much happening that there's a tendency for you to just sort of put it out of your mind or look away and um, in order for your own you know peace of mind, your own survival, you know. But man, when you open up your eyes and look around, yeah, uh, I don't know, it's. It, it definitely, uh, it, it def we definitely need more songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <there> we do. <laughs> written about it. <laughs> yeah, and, and just, yeah, raising that consciousness and, you know, and part of it, you know, everyone were, you know, on our phones all the time and looking around, you know, so many people don't even look around as you're walking down the street, you know, when it's all yeah. there, as soon as you step outside, you know, it's, it's devastate devastation at everybody's doorstep, you know. What's weird for me is, is years ago, uh, I lived in downtown Seattle and um, there was one, two, three, maybe four people I knew of that lived in my immediate neighborhood that were homeless and I'd see regularly, you know, um, wrote a song about it, Della Brown off the Empire album. Okay. Um, now uh, there's hundreds and hundreds just within a city block you know uh places that I, I used to go to um restaurants clubs and uh just you know shopping you know boarded up you know graffiti everywhere um just nobody there you know boarded up buildings in the downtown core you know it's what's happening yeah strange strange yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's springtime now. The flowers are out and blooming. The trees are blooming. So yep. I don't know, you know, there's a lot of people getting vaccinated now and things are starting to open up, at least around here. Yeah. So hopefully we'll see uh, maybe a return to some kind of normal, you know. There's uh, like 7,000 people in the baseball stadium. So it's like, well, let's get that number up and then concerts. Let's try to, you know. Yeah. I was just down in Mexico uh, last week. Uh, on a little bit of holiday and man it's it's almost like back to normal you know i mean you still have to wear your mask you know as you go inside a building and that kind of thing when you're around large groups of people you know people are wearing their masks and actually very respectful but you you can sense that when there's space around people you know people are taking them off and you know relaxing a bit you know but uh yeah it's uh the airports are like slamming you know a lot of people traveling. I don't know where they're going. You can't get out of the country except to go to Mexico. <laughs> can't get in, can't get out. <laughs> and new lockdowns internationally in some places, like like Shane said. Yeah, it's it's uh, crazy. I, I get it though. I get the. It's like in Philadelphia. I think was it three four days ago? No, I think it was Saturday. It felt like everything was back to quote unquote normal. There's still not a lot of places open, but everybody's out. I mean, on the street. Yeah you know, and mm -hmm. it's like, wow, you know. You know yeah, we did a show. We did a show in Florida uh, last month, uh, or was it December? December, January. 
and uh you know it was you could only do half capacity you know which which is cool but uh everywhere else you went it was it felt like uh back to normal you know florida's kind of ahead of the curve i think they just said what the fuck we don't care we're just gonna open up <laughs> yeah and uh you know that's way florida is <laughs> <laughs> florida and texas absolutely yeah what we do this uh we do this silly thing uh, Jeff, we're basically uh, we ask uh, a couple firsts, <laughs> uh, uh, first concert. You remember first your first? Con- yeah, do you remember uh, who your first concert was? Heck yeah, <laughs> Alice Cooper, Billion Dollar Babies Tour, nineteen seventy-three. Yeah. Woo, Detroit! Wow. <laughs> yeah, that was an eye-opener. Was it? Never seen anything like that, you know. I was like 14, 13, 14. Is that what he's What the about? hell's going on? Is that <laughs> he's what he's cutting up babies yeah. and they're flowing out of the Oh, yeah. It's crazy. Was that, that when you knew you wanted to do this or when you thought twice about it? <laughs> oh, no. I would. I was already re- well on the road to being a musician at that point. Yeah. Right. I just I started when I was nine. I heard uh, this Jefferson Airplane song called Somebody to Love. You know? God. Yep just a, still an amazing track just so i don't know it just has this swagger to it and the way grace slick sing, sang it and uh, paul Cantor's guitar on that song i heard that guitar and i didn't know what it was i asked my mom i said what's that that instrument and she told me that was an electric guitar and i said i want to play that she said no you won't you don't <laughs> want to play that you want to continue on with your piano lessons and become a piano player whose guitars are evil. <laughs> she was right. <laughs> hey, these, was that, we have two of them. <laughs> two of them yeah. 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 <laughs> was that was that your first record, or what? What was your first record? No, my first record was Meet the Beatles. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, boy, I was a huge Beatles fan. Yeah. Then I kind of branched out and went to everything, you know. I got into well, back you know in, in my day when I was young, we didn't have all the genres that they have today, you know. Um, and so we'd listen to everything, you know. There wasn't this sort of like people making fun of you because you like a certain kind of music like they have nowadays, you know. When you're young, yeah. um, didn't have that. So you know, yeah, we listened to, geez, yes, we listened to the Beatles. We listened to Paul and Oates, we listened to um, Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know, at the same time we were listening to Rare Earth and Alice Cooper and, you know, God, it was everything, you know, just all kinds of different music. And as a young musician, of course, I was very interested in uh, all kinds of music. I studied classical music and jazz in school and uh, got really into bands like Supertramp and um, uh, Boston you know, bands like that when I was in high school and then started, you know, playing in my own bands and writing songs. And uh, me and my friend uh, who was a drummer, we worked all summer um, selling um, on our paper route to earn money so that we could buy electronic components so we could build a synthesizer. Wow. Because we couldn't afford one because they were super expensive at the time. Mm. Yeah, they were just so we could play that solo in Lucky Man by ELP. 
Awesome. Do you remember the, the I guess, first uh, Queens, right? Like, first, I guess it was the mob is what you guys started as, right? Um, mm-hmm. um, like, that first show, like, um, the, the nerves you felt or kind of, you know, that first, like, what, what you would call an official gig, like, what you felt at the time? The first Queensryche show? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, we were all very ner- pretty nervous. Um, the first show we did as Queensryche was uh, opening for a band called Zebra. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, in Portland, Oregon at the Paramount there. And <laughs> the couple, I guess maybe a couple days before that, um, Chris DeGarmar, our guitar player, and I and Michael Wilton, our other guitar player, we shared an apartment and MTV had just come out, right? And so we spent hours sitting there watching MTV and uh, all the great new videos and Nina Blackwood's hair. Wasn't that the coolest? <laughs> you know, couldn't Mark Goodman shut the fuck up? Um, and Chris fell asleep and uh Woke up like three or four in the morning and got up and walked going to bed and uh, stepped wrong and broke his foot. Well, this is like a day before our show, our first show. (laughs) So he played that first show with a cast on his foot. You know, (laughs) he had this really cool, like uh, sexy rock and roll purple boot you know, mm-hmm. on one foot and then a big cast on the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we were pretty nervous. Yeah. No, no tri-rikes on it yet. I guess that would come later. <laughs> yeah, that came later. Yeah. yeah. All the tattoos came later. <laughs> Back before we knew that tattoos meant different things in different countries, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so man. our first trip to Japan, we got kicked out of the hotel because... They didn't like the tattoos. It was a gangster, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would be another first, technically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, go ahead, Shane. Yeah. No, I, I also, uh, Dave and I are um, talking with his company about uh Holy Diver was turned into a graphic novel and uh, Anthrax album, Persistence of Time, was also turned into a graphic novel. Is is there any uh, interest from you or anyone in like uh, Empire, Operation Mindcrime being turned into a story like that? Yeah, we've been approached many times over the years uh, with the Mindcrime story in particular. Um, promised land we've been approached on that rageful order yeah, yeah. Um, so far to my knowledge there's been nothing official that we've you know released or, or supported but there's been a lot of bootleg stuff that people have done and comic books they've done and yeah you name it no that'd be cool yeah I was always we there's so many things you always wonder about <laughs> all of that stuff too um you know like different like wh- where things might go uh, i was i had a related question i think um i guess it's more along the lines of your recent work with operation mindcrime the band and the trilogy um mm. was, is there any chance that there could be like some extended media on that whether a video or you know from from that storyline is the resurrection the key and the new reality i think are the three mm-hmm. 
anything that we might see there? Um, but perhaps I, I always wanted to make uh, those records into a, a show, you know, um, a concert. Yeah. And just haven't got got to it yet, you know. Mm-hmm. I got a lot of things that like I thought I was going to be done touring the Empire album, you know, at this point. <laughs> that all got sure. kind of you know, put on hold. So, yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of things I'd like to do in life. Uh, I'm just getting at the uh, age now where I have to sort of pick and choose, you know, time and resources. Like I got little time, you know, so just sort of, uh, I don't know. I've got a few more, few more albums under my belt. I'd like to get out, you know, I have a, I have a instrumental album that I'd like to make. Um, I have a lot of material already, already written for, I just haven't released it yet. Hmm. But uh, yeah, just little things I'd like to do. Cool. Cool. Fantastic. Absolutely. Cool. Uh, oh, oh, we got a wrapping, I guess, huh? Yeah, yeah. Was gonna, it's been an hour. We don't want to keep <laughs> going. <laughs> I was say, Jeff, is there anything else you'd like to add? I mean, we just we appreciate your time and you kind of taking us through the recent work. Uh, of course, Sweet Oblivion uh, with Jeff Tate and the album Relentless and everything you've done. It's been, it's been an awesome chat. Well, thanks. Hey, are you guys uh, familiar with uh, Robert Fripp? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 What the hell is he doing? <laughs> I don't know, but it's, well, so it's like, been like a... He looks like a lawyer, right? No, he, have you, have you seen those videos? The, yeah, have you the seen videos. the performance videos that he's doing with his wife? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, it's a different yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they did mo- they Crazy, did huh? Yeah. They did Motorhead the other day. That was interesting. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I just, you know, poof, I never, ever uh, pictured that. But, uh, man, it's funny and cute and kind of entertaining and, yeah. you know, yeah. It's, it's bringing out the best in a lot of people, I think. And that, that's one of the zaniest things I've ever seen. Absolutely. Yeah, actually, that's a perfect word for it. It's zany. <laughs> <laughs> zany. It's about the only word I could come up with. Yeah. Speaking of Murderhead. Do you yeah. have any uh, Lemmy stories? Because we we always like to hear Lemmy stories. <laughs> um. Well, you know, I didn't actually come into contact too much with him uh, over the years. Just just a few times. Right. Um. He was always hitting on my wife, so I was always <laughs> kind of like you know putting myself in between him and her, you know. <laughs> That's a story. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like yeah. Lemmy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, brother. I asked, I asked him if he uh, knew my name once. And he didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't know if you guys even toured over the years, or I guess because it's, you know, sometimes so many bands get paired together, but I, I guess not. So, yeah, that well, you know, especially with Queensryche, we spent the majority of our career as an opening act, you know, yeah. opening for you know, all these amazing bands over the years. People always tell me, wow, don't you miss playing the big arenas and the, the coliseums? I go, well, we did that with other bands. <laughs> you know, we were the opening ad for them. Yeah. <laughs> we were never like a, an arena band, you know, playing, you know, shows like that. We, Well, we had a, a brief stint when Empire Album came out where, you know, we were playing in large venues like that. They certainly weren't sold out, you know. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So it was, uh, it was always on other people's, uh, you know, uh, stages that we performed, which is great. I don't regret that at all. We had some amazing experiences, uh, you know, opening for ACDC and Metallica and Kiss and all these different bands, you know, yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't trade that. Oh. Yeah. Yep. Historic experiences for sure. Yeah. If Coachella asked you for 10 million to play, 10 last, billion? No, 10 million. <laughs> I oh, wish. 10 million. Yeah. <laughs> 10, 10 million to play uh, the Coachella Festival as, as Queensryche. Would you do it? Uh, let's see. That's what's split five ways. <laughs> I'd have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe if maybe if it was like, you know, fifteen. <laughs> yeah. Where's uh, Scott these days? Because I saw um, he was there, but I guess kind of took some time away. Or yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't follow what they're doing these days. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard. I don't think he's played with them many years. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Okay. Just curious. Yeah. We have about a thousand more questions. We so. do, Jeff. Yeah. 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 We appreciate the time you gave us, man. Thank you. Yeah, we, we thank you. Oh, my pleasure. I'm glad you guys uh, are doing your show. It's very cool. And you guys are thank very you. easy to talk to. So uh, we'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. We'd love Absolutely, it. sir. All thank right. You. Sweet Oblivion featuring Jeff Tate and uh, you know just the thundering thumping bass line there you know there's something there's there's a little bit of everything on this record the low end does not it, it still gets the attention that you want for Prague right there yeah. and uh, boy oh boy I mean what a great record but, you know I, I'm so happy that we got to talk to Jeff because you know we've been fans for such a long time but also on to, to do it in relation to this project and then kind of go back into the catalog, it all comes together, you know, it really does. And, and how great was Jeff? And we learned, we learned just so much. He still got it, he, he still yes. got it. And that's the most important part. I, I, it's the wine, it's about, the secret, it's the wine. Yeah, that's the wine. <laughs> 
He said he doesn't really do anything. But yeah. It, it's just a... Uh, it's got to be the vino. Yeah. We asked Rob the same thing, didn't we, Rob yeah. Alfred? And I think that was your question to him. And he just said, no, he just he just goes. He There's just not many it. people you ask that to. Right. Because most people... I, right, right. Rob Halford, Jeff Tate... Bruce, Bruce Dickinson. Dickinson. Right. The, the Trinity. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> Which we talked about that yes. one project, too. Uh, he talked about that, that project they did together. Wouldn't that have, that would have been amazing. Yeah, or would have done together. I know, yeah. That would have been something. But, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm so pumped. I mean, I, I got out of Queensryche. I, I remember when I was a kid, I listened, it, uh, Jet City Woman was on the radio. I think it was like 95, 96. And I always thought he was saying, can you see that wall, man? You know? Yeah. But it was Jet City Woman, you know? Yeah. So I, I misheard the lyrics, <laughs> but I loved the melody, the bass line, the guitars, the way they come in. And, and I just kind of fell into them from there, like in the mid 90s. And, you know, but, uh, and then get into the early stuff. And by college, I was listening to Night Rider. I was listening to Rage for Order and playing it from my dorm room in like 2003, 2004. And everyone's looking at me like, who's this guy? <laughs> you know, everyone <laughs> else is listening to whatever pop or rap was big at the time. But, you know, um, but no, I, I love this stuff. I think 2003, it was the great metal expansion for me, you know. And I saw them, Queens are like, it was, uh, I saw them with Fate's Warning and Dream Theater. And that was, yeah. that was a holy trinity right there. It was just a great great show man so cool i gotta tell you something this is kind of embarrassing got it i was really into them queens the warning right out of the gate yep Woo, i saw them on i, I forget who they opened up for mm. um that was a blast but it was a very short set it was like 30 minutes maybe mm. tops it was one of those deals mm -hmm. you know where they had the three bands yeah yeah i just can't figure out in, in that case who but who 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 they played for mm. but Totally skipped Rage for Order. Really? Okay. I was not into that kind of music at the mm. time. I got out of the two years between The Warning. Um, actually, it was, I think, The Warning and Kiss's um, um, Lick It Up. Okay. And I was like, I'm out. You're done. <laughs> I, it, wasn't, it wasn't because of The Warning. It wasn't because of Queensryche. Right. I, I just, I, I um, was DJing more, and I was really into post-punk and punk. And, yeah. And, um a new wave mm. and um that's like i don't know i must have been where the girls were or something <laughs> right <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that could be it you know you but i remember you want to impress, impress uh, the when mind crime came out i was in i was in college i'm dating myself here now so and mm -hmm. uh we were we were just like whoa yeah and uh, i remember axel rose uh just praising it Wow. On uh, in a Rolling Stone article, like an end of the year thing, like what was the greatest thing that you've heard this year? And uh, his number one record was Operation Mind. That's awesome. Uh, and you like, wouldn't expect that. No, maybe. he was like, without a doubt, nothing comes close. And we had already kind of sampled it from working at the radio stations at Penn State, this, yep. that, and the other. And we, um, that one blew me away. Mm. Absolutely blew me away. And an empire after that. And then again, I kind of got out of them. Um, I didn't really follow them with the Operation Live Prime thing, Promised Land. Yeah, and I've, since, changed, gone, I've yeah. since gone and picked a lot of these up. Promised Land, Tribe. Q2K is one of my favorites. Um, that was that had a few, like Liquid yeah. Sky, and uh, I might listen to that tonight, actually. Yeah. And, um, uh, Sacred Ground. It was it was a little bit more contemporary rock. Um, they did kind of change things up in here in the Now Frontier. There, there were some people... Uh, the drummer, who's the drummer from, former drummer of a Dream Theater, 
uh, Mike Portnoy, yeah. who was like, yeah, they really, and they had a war of words for a while yeah. before they ended up touring together, but he said, yeah, they really fell off after, like, here in the Now Frontier, or after, um, <laughs> like a lot of, he and a lot of fans would say, after Promised Land, things just changed, and Promised Land is great, too. Um, but, you know, they were doing different things, you know? Yeah. Uh, but they certainly came back to it. Uh, Tribe felt, felt more spiritual, I yeah. think. Uh, but they really, you know, they brought it back around, you know? And I, in fact, I got Tribe maybe like a year ago. Okay. Used, and that was like, I was like, wow. Yeah. I forgot how effing good this band is. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why I walk away from stuff. I just, it's, it happens, I don't know yeah. what it is. I guess we all do it to some well, degree. Some band members walk but, away too. Um, so, hey, things happen. A really big Queensryche fan and a good friend of ours, Jim Ring. Yes. Uh, the Ringer. One day was raving about Rage for Order. Jim, okay. Jim is probably one of the biggest Queensryche fans. Yes, I know. yeah. And I, I, <laughs> you'd go into his edit edit room and relentless, sing, yeah, <laughs> sing some of the songs. Relentless <laughs> is a great word for this because I, 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 at the time, uh, I was in an edit bay right across from Jim, and I'd be working on my project, and Jim would be working on his projects. Yeah. And I would come in with usually Jet City Woman <laughs> or something else blaring. Yeah. And, uh, and that raised for order. basically annoying the shit out of Jim's. <laughs> and it was just a, it was almost like an obsession I had at, that, at some point. I'm sure he could verify this, right, of right. course. But, um, and then I started talking about it because ever since I found out he was a fan, I just kept saying, hey, Jim, uh, what do you think of this, que uh, you yeah. know, this Queensryche thing? And he's like, I don't like the. He's like, it's the old stuff, man. Yeah. Like, no, I just asked him the most ridiculous questions. Cause right. I, no, I was actually interested. I mean, right. I got back into them because of people like Jim and right, yourself, right. and I. I really realized what I had missed for, you know, God, almost forty years coming up. That's, yeah, that's really scary. Yeah. I mean, in like three more years, four more years, it's going to be 40 years old, mm. Rage for Order. It's amazing. Yeah, it is, man. But it's it, it's a fantastic record, and um, as, a, as is most of their stuff, and uh, just a blast, dude. Yeah. Absolute blast. Yeah, and, and I think, um, I don't know if they ever will get back together, maybe, maybe not, but I think it'd be cool if Jeff goes back on his solo tours, maybe does, you know, he'll probably, as those anniversaries do come up, Rage for Order, and so on and so forth. He may do some of those, you know, full. He was doing Empire Full on the, on the last tour, right? You know, front to back. So I, I think that's great when artists do that. It's so fun. It's great. So Dave, a couple of years ago, Loudwire went down and basically, I don't know how they, you really do this, but yeah. they narrow it down to ten. They have an interesting process. <laughs> yeah, and uh, number ten. Yeah, the, the, the top their top ten songs basically right. from 1986's uh, Rage for Order. New Regal is how I've always said it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting track. It really is. It's kind of uh, it's different. It's a standard. New rule, right? New rule. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was number ten. To some people, the big the big the big track off that record, Jet yeah. City Woman, of course. Yep. Number nine. Mm -hmm. Huge single there, of course. Uh, NM one five six, uh, number one five six, uh, featured on 1984's The Warning. Uh, it it sort of it tells the story of artificial intelligence. This yeah. is from Loudwire.com uh, and computers taking over. And it do, it really does have that feel like you know, kind of what's that line from the movie? I am I am not a number. Yeah. I'm a free man. Something like that. Yeah. But uh, the prisoner. Yeah, the prisoner. Yeah, maiden. Walk in the shadows. Yes. Another. I mean, like this is how important Rage for Order really is. Oh man, a rallying cry. <laughs> no, really, when yeah. you think about it. Most of this record is is in the top ten. But, mm -hmm. Um. Song was about obsession. 
Mm. Uh, it was uh, written by Jeff, Michael Wilton, and Chris DeGarmo. Mm-hmm. Chris is also... Yeah, part of that... Yeah, yeah, he's gone. He left in 97, 98. I believe he's an airline pilot now, yeah. actually. Yeah. But his daughter does music. He, I think he, he wrote something with his daughter, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, you know, and looking at concerts, uh, seeing the, the crowd go nuts over the chant and that song, yeah. Walk With Me. Very, very cool. Promised mm-hmm. Land from yeah. Promised Land. Yeah, 94, really good. That's a deep track. The ba- There's a heavy bass dynamic on that. Um, it's an epic, it's a story, and there's a music video or a stage performance where Jeff's at a bar, and you kind of get the sense of this in the song, but he's at a bar, you know, pouring another drink uh, for your friend, talking about the bartender, you know, yeah. uh, a song about depression and I think loss, too. Uh, yeah, what did they say on here about it? Centerpiece of the concept album is all about embracing who you are and going after the proverbial brass ring. Okay. Um, I remember the there's a sax solo in that. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Like how many metal songs? Yeah. Yeah. Jeff's a sax guy. It's true. Yeah. That was really unique. Yeah. We we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Like uh, sax is back. It is, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's back. Yeah. Baby. Don't you make fun of it. Not at all. Uh, number five. Take hold of the flame from '84 is the warning. This was the one that I think was Oof. especially a rallying cry because. Take hold. I mean, this got everybody fired up when I saw, the first time I saw them live at Pine Knob in Detroit. Man, they, they the crowd. It, it was like it was a marching song. Like get in the battle, you yeah. know. It's it's hard. Yes, hard it's track. hard track. Yeah. <laughs> I am I from uh, Promised Land. Yep. Uh, Promised Land showing up pretty prominently mm. in this in this list. Um, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Again, Chris DeGarmo and Michael Wilton laying down that double harmony mm-hmm. Eastern guitar theme. Man, just that, that trio right there. Yeah. Chris, Michael, and, and Jeff. If they were to do something again, it would be... Uh, the last time Chris came back was uh, for Tribe. He came back to write yeah. for Tribe, but he didn't do the tour, though. Yeah, and then probably one of your favorites. Oh, uh, Sweet Sister Mary, 88's Operation Mindcrime. This is the definitive rock opera suite from Sister Mary. Pamela Moore, who I actually, back when MySpace was, when everyone had a MySpace page, I interacted with her and I just told her how much I love her track on that song and she wrote back and it was one of my early interactions with <laughs> yeah. anyone in the Queens Rock world. It was so cool. Um, but yeah, that that it's just, it's such a brilliant, brilliant uh, record of the love story, the... You know, trying to defy Dr. X, you know, uh, Dr. X's uh, kill her and get the priest as well. Yeah. You know, and Nikki realized, like, no, he's got to save himself, but he's, more importantly, has to save Mary, too. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, what a story, man. That that whole story, I just, I get chills when I listen to that record. I get wow. chills. And then there's blogs, or I go to these blogs where people would say, you know, they talk about the story and um, there's one old website back when the internet first, you could tell the way the website was laid out it's very primitive like the first time the internet came out and the guy was laying out the story and talking about right. his thoughts on it it was so cool I love that stuff these guys were always at the front of that too yes they always were talking about this stuff yeah yeah even back way back to the the early 80s yep anybody listening uh, when I was talking about anybody out there okay from, from uh, Relentless <laughs> I was like point. Yeah, are these good. songs related yeah that's a good yeah. question brother yeah uh, off of of course, 1990s Empire, just mm-hmm. a classic track. The building Empire. And surprisingly, <laughs> um, Silentless City is not the number one track from that right. one. Right. Yeah. Number one would be Eyes of a Stranger. Oh, man. When that riff hits, that, that song is, um, 
Well, first read what they, yeah, what do they say on there? They just said it's yeah. all about guitar work. Yeah, yeah. And uh, beautiful and very technical harmonies, yeah. impeccable lyrics and vocals, Eddie mm -hmm. Jackson's bass, Scott Rockenfield's drums, bum, bum, the backbone. Bum, and, bum. Um, yeah. And uh, basically says, leaves fan wanting more, leaves fans wanting more yeah. after the character Nikki says, I remember. Now. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's cool about, <laughs> that was, the, that was one of the sections of the album that those final songs, like I believe in, or I don't believe in love, breaking the silence, kind of getting into um, that track there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, that those were the songs where we try, I think I mentioned this with Jeff, where, you know, you don't have to get the story. Like those songs are universal. You know, there's something right. that people can take away if they don't know the story of Nikki and Dr. X and everything else. The other thing about that song, I remember there was an 80s party I used to go to. It was for a cancer fundraiser in, in uh, Frankenmuth, Michigan, where right. Greta Van Fleet's from, actually. Um, but it was this, this fun, it was called, it was a, I love the eighties, like this big party every April. And there was this, they'd have, they'd have these cover bands and this one cover band, they played, you know, the usual poison and Motley Crue and all yeah. that stuff. And then they played eyes of a stranger. And I was like, Whoa, you know, yeah. cause it was, that song was, was mainstream. It was huge. And it, it does sort of fit with in the ether of, you know, that era but also is part of that story too, you know. And I think when you listen to it, if if you never listened to Minecraft before and you listen to that song, you could tell, wow, there's something going on here. I got to get into this, you yeah. know. And that's so special. I think I just I geek out over that. I would say that's probably the song that, that dragged me in, and I also yeah. think that's the song that, if there would have like been a single, yeah, that would be, you know, yeah, that's the biggie. Those riffs, I mean, they're just the keyboards that that the crescendo, and then when that riff hits, it's just it's it's on, man. Yeah. Now, should so cool. should Silent Lucidity be on that list? You know, they won for me. Was it a Grammy for that or no? For, for me, the, yeah. I, I I have to say that was the song that pulled me back in. Was I, it really? I, yeah. Not, I not that. I mean, Operation Mindcrime. There's a there's a, there's a decent number of years between right. those two records. Um, 88 to 91, I yes, think, yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. Three years. Uh, Long time. I really got into Operation Mindcrime, put it away, moved on, and then when I, I heard um, Silent Lucidity on the radio, I was just like, holy crap. Yeah. They're very back. Floyd. They're back. Very Floydish. Right? It's very Floydish, and, Floyd. and it really works. Yeah. Uh, and that was a scooter that drove by our yeah, studio. Yeah, that's the weirdest scooter I've seen. And we're going to go after them now and take them down. So we'll be back after this. <laughs> now, da, da, da. No, um, but yeah, just uh, tremendous. Yeah. Really I, I don't know. I, I got to put it on the list. No, I, I, I don't know where I would put yeah. it on that list. Yeah, where is it? I, um, middle, maybe? <laughs> yeah. I would I would have to put... Um, Around number five. Yeah, number five, yeah. Was Queen of the Reich on there? On, uh, on that list? I'm trying to remember if Queen of the no, Right... there was I, nothing from the first EP. The, that, I think, would have to go... Because it, it sets the tone for everything Queen's Rex is going to become. You know, yeah, I think. I that's totally like agree the, with you. That's like the opening track. That's like what you would play to introduce the concept of the band. I, I, I don't know. There's I really nothing bad on that whole oh, EP. I know. Knight Rider, Blinded. Yes! The Lady Wore Black, which I... Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on, man. There's a 91 version. I think it's on the extended version of uh, Live Crime... Um, mm -hmm. Where they play that, and it's so good live. I mean, there's some uh, there's some versions of these songs on uh, some of the live discs on, yeah. on these deluxe editions. Apparently, there was an unre unreleased version of of that very track, mm -hmm. "Lady Wore Black" or "Queen of the Rake. I can't remember. I get them confused. Mm -hmm. um, 
Those are both so good. I know. The Killing Words, too. There's an acoustic version of The Killing Words out there, and I forget what record that's on. I think it's it was um, back in, was it 2003 when they did the remasters of some of those records? I think yes, it was. Um, around that time, yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a version of The Killing Words, which is very unique. It's different. It's mm-hmm. cool. It's, it, it's like a, if they were to do it unplugged, uh, you know, that would be it. Yeah. I, I was also always a little bummed that they didn't keep that logo. Yeah, that is cool. That is, that's really vintage. That was wicked isn't it? cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the tri right logo, I love that. I think it's yeah. one of the coolest logos in rock, but yeah, that. But they change it up for, they, yeah. for every record. Yeah, they do. And you could pretty much go with any one of them at this yeah. point. <laughs> They were, they all they, they they did a nice job. They did. I mean, the logo did change on every single yeah. freaking record. The, with the tarot cards on. Uh, yeah. On the I know what was it the warning. I'm scrolling so you can't see it. I know. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I'm going that way. No, you go that way. No, stop no, it. Stop. Stop, please. But uh, right. we got a lot of stuff coming up here. Uh, we're gonna take a little break. Yep. But we're gonna yeah. we're gonna leave you here with. Uh, should we go to a track here? Or we'll yeah, just, well, we'll save it to the end. Yeah, we'll save it to the end. Yeah, yeah. We'll be back in just a moment. <laughs> We're back in the spaceship. That's it. We got some uh, serious news here, man. I, yeah, there's some cool stuff here. Dude, um, insane. I don't, I don't know if you want to leave it off because there's so much stuff. There, there's a lot going on. We've got, um, uh, yeah, what do, do we start with here? There's so much. <laughs> on. How about that? There's some new journey music. You know, we want to talk about that. Yeah. New journey music. The way we used to be is the. Um, it's the first uh, new song, uh, really, from Journey in like 10 years. It's really amazing. Yeah. Uh, it, it's hard to believe it's been that long, you know? Because yep. they were touring. They call it the Dirty Dozen, the 12 songs that you have to hear, Separate Ways, um, you know, Cinder uh, My Love, all those, you know, Wheel in the Sky, all those classics, right? So it's easy for them to go on tour and play the classics and right. not do, and maybe some deep cuts and not do a lot of new stuff. But first new song in about 10 years. Um, of course, Randy Jackson uh, is back with the band. He was on the Raised on Radio tour back in 86, 87. Um, but this is really cool. The video is like a cartoon of the band uh, kind of on stage. And so it's it's really, really awesome. Arnell, of course, is back with the band. And um, it's the lineup's changed a bit. Um, you, you, as we talked about before, you don't have Ross Valerie. You don't have... Um, Steve Smith. There were right. some legal issues going on. They all worked that, Which is that all out. A shame. I... Yeah, it's really a shame. Um, they're not in the band, but apparently they worked everything out legally. That's good. There yeah. was a statement to that effect, but the band continues on. Uh, and uh, Neil's always said it's his band anyway. You know, he's he's never been shy about that. You know, no. and saying that. And so, uh, but they're out there with a cool video. The way we used to be. Yeah. I've not heard the try. Is it really good? It's good. It's it's very sentimental. It takes you back. I mean, it just kind of takes you back to like what you know fans were feeling at the time. You know, when mm-hmm. they were around. And they, it, uh, some bands are doing cartoons more. Um, That's what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, kind of like um, Bruce Adamo's video yeah. where it was kind of an animated thing. You know. Um, I'll let me see if I can find a little bit more. Uh, Is on it Frontiers this. good? Is it Escape good? Um. I'd say there's a little bit of an escape vibe on there. Yeah. I, I'd say, yeah. Harder edge? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, just uh, for what I take from it, um, uh, from Ultimate Classic Rock here, Journey have released their first uh, new song in a decade. You can Okay. Um, it's an animated video. features a young couple forced to live apart as uh, the result of the COVID-19 lockdown. The first thing they do once the pandemic is over is they attend a Journey concert. Uh, guitarist Neil Sean said uh, the way we used to be came out of one of the many loops I'd written while 
while the long downtime continued with the pandemic we all had to deal with, I laid down the keyboard loop with overdubbed rhythm huh. and a little blues lead guitar and sent uh, Jonathan Kane, the keyboarder, sent it to him. He sent it back very shortly after with demo vocals and lyrics. And I said to myself, with a smile, we've still got it. So that's very cool. Damn. Yep. They're still going, I mean. They're still going, man, yeah. 55 years. Yeah, it's hard to believe. I think, well, yeah, seven. Yeah. 75 years. Neil's actually... 75. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Neil's actually a, a vampire. I, I, I've read several articles that kind of allude to Neil, Neil drinking blood and... 67 years yeah. old, yeah. <laughs> no, he's 167. 167 That's years old. That's not wild. That is wild. Bah, that is wild. He fought in the in the Civil War. <laughs> he still has muskets in his studio. Amazing. Now I, I don't know what just happened there, folks, but it's okay. <laughs> it's called delirium. It's like 100 degrees. Crazy from the heat, David Lee. Right outside the studio, it's about 100 oh, degrees. You, you feel um, it as soon as you step out of the studio. It just hits you. It's oof. And you're going to feel the same way after I read this this, this little blurb. You're going to be feeling that way? <laughs> exactly. Uh, from HuffPost.com. This was bizarre, dude. Uh, Ringo Starr mm. uh, had a, loss, a lawsuit. I, the, I, I yeah. don't know if I can say this word. <laughs> just say, yeah. This, I, this, this, this is so ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I, I can't even, we can't make this stuff up. We I'm really glad we didn't lead with this because we wouldn't have gotten through the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we do get them through the rest of the show. I really do because we had a tough, we had a tough Ringo. day. Today. Ringo, uh, dropped a lawsuit against this company that basically sells rings under the Ringo brand name. Now it's not Ringo like R N G O, all one word. It's R I N G space capital O. Yes. And uh, as Huff said, the 80-year-old Beatles drummer argued that the Ringo trademark was too similar to his professional <laughs> stage name and might damage his reputation, according to the BBC. In 2019, Star's legal team argued consumers might believe uh, the Yellow Submarine Piece singers, and glove, piece and glove. <laughs> Sorry. They, what he was concerned about was that he was selling sex toys right. under his name, and this Ugh. is not an association that he wants. Did you send that to me, or did I send that to I can't remember. I, can't, I, I we, think you we, said it to me. We yeah, laughed just, and laughed was, and laughed. And just, I think it was on Twitter. I, it was and, on Twitter. <laughs> just, so basically, there was a settlement between Pacific Holdings and Momentum Management. Yeah. Um, and the, and Star basically required them to avoid any activity likely to lead to confusion in connection with the toys <laughs> oh, and the rock legend, according to the Metro newspaper. That means the Ringo name can only be used on adult sex toys and yeah. desensitizing sprays. There must be a space between the ring and the and the O <laughs> in branding, like I was saying yeah. earlier. So and it was a big O uh, <clears throat> for the uh, design. Right. Sorry. So, can <laughs> does that mean that Star can play the song "It Don't Come Easy" anymore? Because <laughs> it is kind of a close association. It's close association. <laughs> I don't know. This is, <laughs> this is one story where Pete Best is probably like, "Yeah, you know, I probably that wouldn't happen if I was in there." <laughs> yeah. What we need now is a Martin, Martin, one of Martin's questions, and I know Marty does have a question for us, but we're okay. going to get to that next week. Yeah, we will. Trust me, Mark. We're not. We're not. I'm shocked we got through this. I'm shocked we. Yeah. Yeah, we we did pretty good there. Yeah. 
Uh, another, uh, this is breaking as we speak. Uh, I'm not sure if, it, if it's changed since uh, the article came out. Yep. I, I think he has turned himself in, but Marilyn Manson yeah. has re reportedly agreed to turn himself into police on an active o arrest warrant in New Hampshire. According to multiple reports, the 52-year-old artist, whose real name is Brian yep. Warner, will surrender himself to the L.A. Police Department after an agreement between the Guilford Police Department and the New Hampshire in New Hampshire and his attorney, Howard King. Uh, Entertainment Tonight reached out to Manson. They were the ones that broke the story. Mm. Um, Guilford Police Chief Anthony Bean Burpee said on Friday of last week, <clears throat> that would be the week of the you know, 26th, mm -hmm. that it's unclear whether Manson will turn himself in per People magazine. Mm. When the rocker does turn himself in, an arraignment will take place. And that is estimated to take place as early as mid-August. Mm. So this stuff is uh, becoming very real. Yeah, it's very serious. It's very sad, you know. It's very sad. He's facing a possible jail sentence of, a, of less than a year and a fine of $2,000 or less. They also noted the alleged assaults are not sexual in nature. They're due to a number of other allegations that were made against Manson. It, I mean, dude, when it rains, it pours. Yeah. It really, it really does. I... I'm kind of speechless. This keeps going on and it keeps getting worse and worse. Well, just a story that we continue to follow and uh, just a very awful, awful situation all around. Uh, but we'll continue to follow that. Big breaking news, of yeah. course. Uh, yeah, this is interesting. This this just dropped about an hour ago on Ultimate Classic Rock. Sammy Hagar apologizing for exposing Eddie Van Halen's, quote, dark side. Sammy yeah. Hagar has apologized uh, for his depiction of Eddie Van Halen in his 2011, I can't believe this book is 10 years old now, 2011 autobiography read My Uncensored Life in Rock. Uh, quote, more than anything because of the untimely and tragic death of Eddie Van Halen, I apologize from the bottom of my heart for exposing his dark side to where I don't think anyone wants to hear that now, Hagar declared during an interview with uh, Inside with uh, Paul O'Baron and uh, Regis to do. Uh, unfortunately, it's in the book. He said in his memoir, Hagar detailed how alcoholism has had left Van Halen in a, a shell of his former self. At one point, the singer described visiting the guitarist's home in 2004. Quote, it looked like vampires lived there. There were bottles and cans all over the floor. The handle was broken off the refrigerator door. There were spider webs everywhere. While Hagar insisted he didn't embellish any of the facts, he admitted that some things would have been left would have been better left unsaid uh it's true it's all true the singer explained it's not like i have to say oh i was lying no 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 if i wrote the book today i would only put the good of eddie van halen because he was such a brilliant genius guitar player and such a, a great friend and a great partner until everything went wrong like everything else um so it's kind of a tough yeah. situation there yeah that that's been the one thing that's haunted the book and the that that haunted their relationship ever since I think you know when that yeah. came out it was like because those were the, the quotes that were pulled immediately when that happened oh absolutely and yeah so there's a bit of a bash Sammy thing yeah. too I yep I've noticed on postings when whenever we we talk about Van Hagar you always get some somebody like, yeah yeah screw Sammy yeah the, the fan groups are pretty brutal nicely. yeah they're, they're, the fan groups are pretty brutal on Facebook you know, what do you like think? That. There's just always been a resentment for, for yeah, him replacing David Lee. Yeah, I think there's just a lot of people who never got Sammy, who were never Sammy fans. Um, but I think they got pretty pissed off with the stuff that Sammy maybe wrote in the book. Because you know, Sammy yeah. can be kind of a, uh, you know, 
some some would say a blowhard. I wouldn't say that, but some would probably say that. You know, I, I'm just just what I've read online that he he's always kind of saying stuff and and. But you know, he said that they were great at the end. That they texted and they patched it all up, which um, right before Eddie passed, which is about it. They were talking for I think about a month or so, or maybe a little bit more. So that's great. I'm, I'm just glad they were able to have that. You know, I always, yeah, you know, my dad always used to say like if if you don't want everyone to know it, don't ever write it down. Right. That's and a good point. I, I think uh, that probably applies in this situation. Yeah. Let alone I, put there, it in a, I'm autobiography. Sure, yeah. And also, don't write a book. From, right from the anger standpoint, because <laughs> right. exactly the you know if you fast forward, mm-hmm. you can't peer into the future when you're doing this stuff. Right, right. And uh, of course, you're going to regret it. Yeah. If you know, like time passes and something horrible like this, which is what happened, happens. Yeah. Then you're st- you're basically uh, you look like the chump. Mm-hmm. And I think over the years it was kind of hard to tell. Does Sammy want back into Van Halen? Does he not? Like at one point he was talking about it. And then, you know, like the kitchen sink tour, everybody comes back, does a special tour. Then he's like, you know, no, I don't think it's going to happen. And it just, you never really knew what he was really trying to, whether he wanted back in or not. Then he would, at one point he said they have to be friends first. And I just never knew what was going to ever happen with that relationship because he kept talking about the hypotheticals. But, you know, behind the scenes, it didn't seem like anything was really going on, you know. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. The The next story kind of it's kind of wild uh, yeah. I know about it from Sebastian Bach not to get off this yeah yeah no it's um, fine because people he was getting bombarded with tweets and questions people asking him if he was okay because it was reported unfortunately um, that the singer of Skid Road had died right and uh, yes. his picture was attached to some of the articles oh, according to Sebastian but oh, boy. Uh, the replacement singer for Sebastian Johnny Solinger uh, passed away. Very sad, yeah. Yesterday, at, at the age of 55, oh, boy. Um, Loudwire says that uh, he was uh, basically front of the band for 16 years following Sebastian Bach mm. because he was kicked out. He died uh, after a battle with liver failure. Mm. Terrible. So, Skid Row, no more. Yeah, our condolences, uh, yeah. Our condolences to the band. And, yeah. Uh, a lot of tweets out there. I saw some stuff from uh, D. Snyder, Sebastian Bach, uh, you know, which was kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave Snake Sabo, mm-hmm. guitarist, um, Sabo Sabo. I'm bad with names. <laughs> There's so many ways to say these names. <laughs> I know, it's true. <laughs> but, I mean, it's Sabo, but I'm, I'm not, yeah. Last month, uh, Solinger revealed that uh, he had liver failure. And, uh, mm. you know, there's only so much you can do after... Uh, you get diagnosed with something like that. Yeah, that's a heavy diagnosis, and just it's unless really you get a sad. transplant, you know. Yeah. And um, wow. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. There huge. was a fun. There was a fundraiser that was set up to uh, looking to pay for all of his medical bills, and this is a big problem with a lot of artists, uh, and, yeah. and especially in a year like last year. Uh, but fifty-five is way too young. Oh, just yeah. I mean that's you're in the prime still. It's a hard life out there in this in this rock and roll world. So yeah, it's yeah we're we're um, we're retweeting those tributes as well on our Twitter page and just you know our deepest deepest thoughts and prayers. I mean so it's just sad. I mean you know it's he was with them for a long time too. I mean such a long long time. Yeah, I didn't I wasn't aware that um, 
there were four singers for Skid Row. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Uh, ZP Theory. I don't know how to say this name. He's the current current one apparently. And mm-hmm. to, uh, Tony Harnell um, briefly filled in after. <clears throat> yeah, Johnny left. Uh, yeah. Wow. These bands go through people like. It's kind of funny. I was listening to some some guys talk the other day, oh, yeah? and they were just talking about all the lineup changes, and, really, and, <laughs> and and different bands. And it, it is amazing, isn't mind it? Mind blowing how metal. Um, and uh, probably since we last were on, uh, Phil Philip Narrow from mm-hmm. Talus. I yep. don't know if you remember Billy Sheehan. Yeah, yeah, was absolutely. His band before yep. he was tapped to uh, play in Mr. Big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he died of cancer at the oh, age of sixty three. He worked with um, acts such as White Snake, Vanilla Fudge, Yes, and Asia. Yeah, I do remember. He was uh, he was one of those guys, those guns, you know. Yeah. That just yeah, plays some heavy acts. Talos, I had that first record. I was, it was I, really good. I love that record. It's heavy man. Because there was a buzz about Billy. Yeah. And Billy played with David Lee, didn't he? Yeah, he played with uh, yeah, the David Lee. Yep, the David Lee Roth band. Yeah, with was it Greg Bissonette on drums? I yeah. think. Yeah. That was a great rhythm section. That was a tight Steve rhythm Vi. section. Yeah. Yep. It's a great band. That was fun. Yeah, very cool. And of course, John Hinch. Yep. He played on uh, when did he Rock and Roller. Uh, yeah. It doesn't say. That was a while back, I thought. Yeah, there's, there have yeah. been a lot of... The last yeah. last one that we really talked about was Jim Steinman. Right. But time marches on, unfortunately. Yeah, it's really sad. Yeah, he... Um, yeah, uh, April 29th, uh, John Hinch died, yeah. Um, so and yeah. uh, of course, this is the last and final thing because we have to go because Dave's tired of this. And <laughs> no, no. And hey, how about the Grammys? <laughs> the inside joke. And if you're a Bruce fan, today it was announced. Uh, yes. Last last night it was announced, uh, kind of late, uh, that Bruce Springsteen mm-hmm. will be returning to Broadway this weekend. That's uh, pretty cool. Strapping on a guitar and reviving a show for an audience. That includes a member of his E Street band and the governor of his home state. Very cool. So that should um, be good, man. Yeah, he'll be uh, out there doing it, um, which is cool. Yeah. Is it going to be like just one show, or is it going to be? Um, well, I know the E Street band's supposed to tour uh, next right. year, so that's going to be cool too. That's right. going to be one of the biggest tours. Um, those tickets are probably already sold out. Uh, no, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, I think it's uh, it's the beginning of him kind of just getting back out there. You know. Did the podcast with Obama, which yep. you absolutely have so raved about. So good, so good, yeah. Yep. Um, and then he was handcuffed and thrown in jail for the, the DUI. DUI thing, which was just yeah. really weird. Of course, uh, yeah. he had blood alcohol level below the state's legal limit, but mm-hmm. good old Jersey, uh, that was last... Uh, was about a year ago? Like November. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Was that, I thought it was, yeah, that's about right, yeah. <laughs> he said, New Jersey, they love me there. <laughs> what it's like taking a picture of him I know to book him yeah I wonder what that's like <clears throat> like hey I just took Bruce Springsteen's picture <laughs> anyway where where'd you take that oh uh, at the highway sta- 9 at the station no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, that's pretty much the news for the, for we, we didn't get to do it for a couple weeks so we just wanted yeah. to share as much cram it all in there and yeah, and moving in for the 4th of July, too, uh, Foreigner, Ario Speedwagon, and Sammy Hagar in the Circle will perform during CNN's The 4th in America special. They're going to be watching that one, I think. Yeah, that. that'll be cool, yeah. Uh, Dana Bash and Don Lemon from the East Coast, as well as uh, Victor Blackwell and Anna Cabrera, 
We'll be handling coverage from the Western for the Western U.S. Uh, CNN's The Fourth in America special will feature the Beach Boys, John Stam- with John Stamos. Uh, uh, I'm out. Yeah, I know. No, I'm I'm <laughs> cool in the gang, Florida. Florida, what's he doing now? Oh, he does uh, anything. It yeah, it's handed to him at yep. this point. Yeah, We're not much. knocking you, man. We'd love yeah. to talk to you, Florida. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> Blues Traveler, uh, Billy Ray Cyrus, Black Eyed Peas, a bunch of people. So, yeah, so it'd be cool to see Sammy out there, man. By the, the is that version, do they play Halen songs or do they just pretty much? They do. They play pretty, pretty much everything. Halen songs, Sammy Montrose. Hagar solo, Montrose, Chicken Foot, uh, some Zeppelin because they've got John Jason Bonham in the band. You know, yeah, who's in the circle? Uh, you got Jason Bonham on drums, Vic Johnson from the Wabos, Sammy's uh, guitarist since '97, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, Michael Anthony, of course, and the Red Rocker, Sammy. Here's Hagar. Michael Anthony. Now I'm just I'm, I'm being like a little kid asking all these questions. We're going to talk after this. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've had it with you. And so it ends where it began. Uh, Jeff Tate, uh, Sweet Oblivion featuring oh. Jeff Tate. And uh, the album is Relentless. And uh, going to close out on a, so another good, awesome track here, man. Great yeah. record, right? Dude, love having these people around, man. I yeah. really do. It's just great. Fly it's Angel, special, Fly. Man. That's how we're going to end this, right? That's it. Fly Angel. Check it out.